0: Brother, what a powerful song! I agree with you completely. If we cannot trust in what the Bible says in Genesis one one, then how can we trust in what it says in John in John three sixteen? If we cannot trust in um, what the Bible says concerning creation, how can we trust in what the Bible says concerning salvation? Amen. Um, it takes faith to trust in the God who breathed into existence. The very planet we're living on. And I love how that put that in that song. In the vapor of His breath, every planet is born. Wow, that is powerful. And let me ask you something. If that's true and we believe it is according to Scripture by faith, then if we serve a God that that, that is that big that He breathed the planet into existence, the stars into existence. The Bible says in Psalms 147, 1 through 4, that he knows the number of the stars, but only does he know their number, but he calls them all by their names. That's a big God. Now let me ask you something, church. If God is that big, what's, what's too big for him? Nothing. Nothing you're facing right now is too big for God nothing you're going through physically is too big for God nothing you're going through relationally is too big for God nothing you're going through emotionally is too big for God whatever problem whatever trouble whatever trial whatever tribulation you're going through right now is it's not too big for God Amen. praise the Lord he's able Amen. he can do what we can't he is there's power um available for his people, for he is big. And I'm so thankful for that tonight. Man, what a what a great song. Thank you so much, my brother. That was anointed. I needed that this evening. Take your Bibles and turn them with me, please, to Revelation chapter number 12. We are studying the book of Revelation verse by verse, chapter by chapter. Um, and so we finally made it to Revelation chapter 12. And We spent last Wednesday night in Revelation chapter 12 and also Sunday morning. And I want to review just a little bit before we go on in in case uh, you were not here last Wednesday night or Sunday. But we said in Revelation chapter 12 there are three major points. First of all, we see uh, mentioned in the first six verses the woman. And we talked about that last Wednesday night. And we said the woman represents the nation of Israel. Uh, the Jewish nation. Now, I want you to know something, church. You need to get a hold of this. I want you to see this tonight, that how many of you believe that God keeps his promises? And he has made several promises throughout his word concerning the nation of Israel. He has made several prophecies through His prophets in His Word concerning the nation of Israel. And I want you to know, the God who said it even thousands of years ago has not forgotten what He's promised. He's not forgotten His prophecies. And every promise and every prophecy concerning the nation of Israel Will be fulfilled. And I want you to know a lot of that is going to take place during the time of tribu- tribulation, that seven years that we know is coming to this earth after the rapture of the church. I've told you before, and I'll tell you again, mainly all that's going to take place during the time of tribulation, is dealing with the nation of Israel. And so according to Scripture, like we looked at last Wednesday, uh, the woman spoken of in these first six verses is the Jewish nation. Um, And so I'm not going to spend any more time on that tonight. But then Sunday morning, the Lord, I just could not get... Uh, revelation 12 off my mind last week the lord just kept dealing with me about that and and so i continued in it sunday morning with our second major point which is the war that's spoken of in revelation 12 starting with verse number seven now again let me ask you church how many of you believe that there is a war going on right now And I want you to know the war that is uh, spoken of here in prophecy is symbolic of the war that we are in today. And like I told you Sunday morning, I want you to know that because of the Lord Jesus, if you've placed your faith in Him, I want you to know you have victory in Jesus tonight. The war has already been won. Can you say amen? amen? And I'm thankful for that. But I, but we we have to realize, we must understand that we are still in the battle daily. All of us are. And so I think we can um, see here in Revelation chapter 12 that we as the people of God, can overcome. Just like God's Word says we can overcome, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but look at verse number 7, it says, and there was a war in heaven, and the Bible says we need to notice the place, it's in heaven, and also who the war is between. It's between Michael, who we know to be the captain of the angelic armies of heaven, the archangel, and so it's Michael and and his angels fought against, the Bible says, the dragon, which we know to be Satan, and his demonic angels are those demonic spirits that are fallen angels. And the Bible says they were fighting in heaven. And we said Sunday morning that that's, there's something we need to take from that. How many, of you, how many of you know that right as of right now, Satan still has access to heaven. He has access to heaven where the throne of God is. And we saw plainly from the book of Job chapter 1 that Satan came before the Lord and accused Job before God. That's his job. He accuses man before God and he accuses God before man. That's how he gets his name. Look at verse number 10. Verse number 10, the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. And it says not only is he the accuser of the brethren, and he don't just do it one time, but it is a continual, ongoing thing. It says that he accused the brethren before God day and night. That means Satan is always coming before God accusing those who have been bloodbought. That's the brethren. Those who have been born again. He may have accused you on more than one occasion. I know he's accused me on more than one occasion because I'm still not perfect, can you say amen? I still need the grace of God. I still fall and stumble and make mistakes and I'm still a work in progress. So I know he has accused me from time to time. He's come before the Lord and he said, you ain't gonna believe what Israel did. He didn't do what he was supposed to do and he's already done what he's not supposed to do. He's not being faithful in this and he's spending too much time in this over here. And he brings those accusation uh, before the Lord concerning me and concerning you, the brethren. Those who have trusted in Jesus. Now I want you to know something tonight. I, I was just thinking about this this week and the Lord just blessed my soul in it. Because the Bible tells us here in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. So we know we have an accuser. But I want you to know something else. Not only do we have an accuser, but folks, listen, we have an advocate. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 that Jesus is our advocate. An advocate is one who supports someone publicly uh, so that they might defend them. Amen. So when Satan brings accusation against us, Jesus defends us, listen to me, not because of who we are and what we've done, not because of our goodness, listen, not according to our righteousness, but according to His righteousness. And even though Satan may come against us, I want you to know, listen, my righteousness is in Christ. His righteousness has been imputed unto me by faith. So Satan can say what he wants and do what he wants. But I'm in Jesus and Jesus is in me. We have an accuser, but I want you to know we also have an advocate. Someone who defends us. Not according to who we are, that wouldn't mean much. But according to who he is. (laughs) Praise God, that's good news. I'm thankful for it. The Bible describes Satan there um, in verse number 9. It, it, it tells us who's doing the fighting. And, and it says, first of all, he's a great dragon. And we said when the Bible uses the word dragon, that speaks of the fierceness of Satan, the cruelness of Of Satan That speaks of his appetite for destruction. You remember what Jesus said concerning Satan in John chapter 10 and verse number 10. He called him a thief and he said the thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. How do you believe tonight that Satan would like nothing more than to destroy everything God has done in your life, everything God is doing in your life, and everything God's going to do in your life in the future? He has an appetite for destruction. That's individually, but let me say something else too. That that also is collectively as a church. The Lord is working in our church. We're seeing our church grow. I'm thankful for what God has done, is doing, and we're looking forward in faith to what God's going to do in the future right here at Mount Zion. But Satan would like nothing more than to destroy everything God is accomplishing by His mighty power in this place. And so what do we do? We guard against it. We realize who he is and how he works. And, with, and the Bible tells us who he is and how he works right here in this one verse. It says he's the great dragon. That, again, speaks of his appetite for destruction. But then it says he's a serpent. That speaks of his subtleness. What does it mean that Satan is a subtle being? It means that um, he, he makes... Uh, Making use of uh, clever methods to achieve his goal. That's what it means to be subtle. How many of you like the Andy Griffith Show? It's one of my favorite shows of all time. Probably my favorite show of all time, at least in my top three. But how many of you know uh, Andy? He's very subtle. He's very clever. He's very wise in the methods he chooses to deal with the people of Mayberry. As a matter of fact, he can pretty much talk Barney into anything he wants him to do and make Barney think it's his own idea. <laughs> He's very subtle. And I, think, and, and I hate to compare Satan to Andy because I really like Andy, but that's really how Satan works in our lives. He uses clever methods. Listen, he tempts us according to our sinful desires brought about by our sinful nature. And listen to me now. Very cleverly, very deceptively, he tricks us into doing things that we know are not pleasing unto the Lord. Very subtle. he done it with Eve. Do you remember Genesis chapter 3 and verse number 1? Put that up for me, brothers. Uh, Listen, Satan is still working like he's always worked. And if he can get you to doubt who God is and what God says, he's got you right where he wants you. In Genesis 3 and 1, the Bible says, Now the serpent, that subtle one, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, he said unto Eve, Yea, hath God said. So what's he doing? He's causing Eve to doubt what God's already said. Hath he really said? Surely Eve, he didn't mean that you was going to die if you ate of this fruit. He's throwing doubt in her mind. Has Satan ever done that to you? You read the promises of God where it says, Hebrews thirteen five, He shall never leave us nor forsake us. And, and listen, bad things and bad times enter your life. And Satan causes you to doubt whether or not that's true. We read in the Word of God where it says that, God is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, and we've been praying for them lost loved ones for years, and we begin to wonder, we begin to doubt whether or not God really wants to save them. He calls us to doubt who God is and what God says. He's still working the same way He worked with Eve. He's the serpent, the subtle one, but the Bible also calls Him something else. He calls him the devil, Diablo, which means the slanderer. You can almost hear the serpent slithering by when you say the word gossip. Amen? You know the same God who says you sh- thou shalt not kill says you shouldn't gossip? You know the same God who says thou shalt not commit adultery says you shouldn't gossip? See, all of us have these little pet sins that we really like. And it's really, we don't think it's as bad as what someone else might be doing. But it is. And just like I told you Sunday, we are never more like Satan than when we are slandering Others, brothers and sisters in Christ, inside the church and those outside the church, be careful what you say. Be careful how you speak of other people. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Don't you be just like him. told you before, folks, I'll tell you again. There's a lot you could talk about me for. There's no doubt about it. But if you're going to talk about Israel Price, Let me encourage you. Talk to the one who can do something about it. I love the old hymn song. Go and tell Jesus on me. For my faults and failures you see. If you are my brother, then go tell another. You go tell Jesus on me. I'll tell Jesus on you. You tell Jesus on me. And we'll all be better off for it. Amen. He's a slanderer. But then it also calls him Satan Look what it says. He's the dragon, he's called the devil, and he's called Satan. Satan means adversary or enemy. And we looked at it Sunday. First Peter five and eight says that he's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He tries his best to tear us limb from limb. Satan loses the battle in heaven. He loses the war in heaven and he's cast down to the earth. Now that's not to say that Satan doesn't have access in the earth right now because he does. That is to say though that after this battle in heaven, he no longer has access to heaven. He's kicked out for good. And when that happens, there's praise in heaven. Look what the Bible says in verse number 10. And I heard a loud voice. Saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused him before our God day and night. Now most people that I've read says that the ones singing this loud song in heaven are the Um, uh, martyrs that were martyred during the great tribulation in Revelation 6, 9 through 10. Y'all remember those that were below the throne of God and they were calling out unto the Lord and saying, Lord, how long is it going to be before you avenge us? How long is it going to be before you judge those that dwell upon the earth? And many say that these are the tribulation saints that have been martyred killed because they trusted in Jesus. And they're singing this loud song of praise because Satan has now been cast down to the earth. Now listen, there was a war going on in heaven that brought woe to the earth. Amen? But now let's look at verse 11 before we go that far. And they overcame him. Who overcame him? Those martyrs, those who had trusted in Jesus during the times of, time of, of tribulation that we read about in Revelation 6, they overcame him how? We talked about it Sunday. First of all, by Calvary, by the blood of the Lamb. If you're going to overcome the enemy, the only hope you have is in Jesus. If you're going to overcome your hurts, your hang-ups, your addictions, your only hope is Jesus if you're going to overcome your problems and your pride, the only hope is Jesus. We all need Him. And without Him, we can do nothing. Without Him, we lack the power to overcome the roaring lion, the great red dragon, the devil, Satan himself. So we overcome, first of all, by the blood of the Lamb. When the blood has been applied, listen, the Bible says when I got saved, a lot of cool stuff happened. Some fantastic stuff happened. The Bible says my sins were forgiven, put as far as the east is from the west. But the Bible also teaches I was baptized into the church. Indwelled by the Holy Spirit. Now Jesus lives in me in the person of the Holy Spirit. God is in us. We are the temple of God, brothers and sisters. Are you getting this? That happened when I got saved. Now that makes all this work because in 1 John 4 and 4, the Bible says, Greater is he that's in you. In you. Than he that's in the world. Now, Jesus is always going to be greater than Satan, but that's not going to make any difference to you unless he's in you. Amen. Amen. And he's only in you by the blood of the Lamb. Are you hearing me? So we overcome by Calvary. We also overcome by confession. The Bible says by the word of their testimony. We speak the name of Jesus. You know know what I've, I've come to realize? Everybody wants to talk about God. Everybody'll talk about God. I mean, you can get anybody you want to talk to to talk about God. They'll tell you about who they think God is and and what God is and what this God is. They love to talk about God, but you bring up Jesus, that cuts a lot of ties. There's power in that name. Amen. The Bible says that at the name of Jesus, every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. The Bible says there is no other name under heaven whereby men might be saved except the name of Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus. Like I said Sunday, we pray the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's authority in it. It's not a tagline that we add on to the end of our prayers. I pray in Jesus' name because Jesus has authority over the sickness I'm praying about. Jesus has authority over the problems that someone might face or I might face. And so we pray in Jesus' name. They overcame by the word of their testimony, but also by their commitment. The Bible says in verse number 11, And they love not their lives unto the death. That means they love Jesus more than life itself. They were committed to Him, no matter what. And so I must ask, how's your commitment? Are you committed to Jesus? Are you committed to His body, the church? Is church a hobby for you? Because that's how we treat it sometimes. As long as we got time, we'll make it. But if it don't interfere with anything we really want to do, then we might can make it to church folks that's not what the Bible teaches are you committed in prayer? why do we why do you think I, 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 we've asked you to pray every day at nine o'clock listen folks not there's nothing special about nine o'clock you can play pray anytime the Bible says pray without ceasing I, I'm just trying to get us to, to, to get committed and show some discipline in our prayer lives we need to be committed to prayer. I'm going to tell you something. A praying church is a powerful church. A praying people is a powerful people. But if we don't pray, we have not because we ask not. So how committed are you to prayer? How committed are you to the Word of God? Do you hunger for the Word of God? Do you truly believe it to be the, 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 the lamp unto your feet and the light unto your path? Do you believe it to be what sets you free? Are you hungry for it? How committed are you to the Word? How committed are you to witnessing? Spreading the Gospel? Because there's people around you every day that's lost, dying, and going to a devil's hell if we don't tell them. We have the answer. Do we love people enough to give them the answer? So how committed are we? These overcame because of Calvary, their confession, their commitment, and that's how we'll overcome too. Now, like I said before, the war that Satan lost in heaven brought woe to the earth because Satan came to the earth in all of his wrath and fury. I want us to look now at the Not only the praise which we saw in heaven over Satan being kicked out, but I also want you to see tonight the persecution that takes place upon the earth. Dr. David Jeremiah said something concerning this. I've I've got to use it this evening. I I want to um, read to you what he said. He said that, first of all, it was an aggravated assault. Look with me there in um, Revelation chapter number 12. Down at uh, at verse number 12. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe, watch this, to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. Now, the, the word woe there in the Greek means an exclamation. I don't want to misquote it to you. Hang on just a minute. An exclamation of grief. Have you ever heard someone cry out in grief? I remember, I guess it's been probably, I don't know, seven, eight years ago now. It's been a while. I got a call one night about, uh, I guess about 1130 at night. And I was in the bed, raining and the kids was in the bed. And I woke up, got the phone. It was a dear sister in Christ that I was her pastor. Great family, love the Lord, and um, faithful to the things of God. And when I picked up the phone, she was crying so hard, she couldn't even talk. I couldn't understand a word she was saying. And all I could hear was Casey. And I said, uh, just hold on, I'll be there in just a minute. And so I took my kids, I got them up, took them down to uh, my mom and dad's house and dropped them off. And they li- she lived over in Cruz between Sulligent and Gewin. And so that's about a 30-minute drive, the best you can do. And, and so I took off to Cruz as hard as I could go and, and got down there to where she was at. And it was a good 30, probably 40 minutes at least by this time since she had called me. And when I pulled up in the driveway and opened the door of my car, I could hear her screaming inside the house. I could hear that exclamation of grief, screaming to the top of her lungs. I've never heard anything like it. And I got in the house, and, the, and by this time the yard was just full of people. I got in the house and she began to tell me that her daughter, at that time, 14 years old, had just hung herself in her closet. And so she was screaming out in grief. I can't imagine the pain and the sorrow that was going on in that mama's heart at that time. I told her then, I'll tell you now, I've never lost a child, but I've loved one. I know what it's like to love one. I can only imagine what it would be like to lose one. I've never heard a woe like that, an exclamation of grief. But I think that's the picture that's being painted here for the inhabitants of the earth. Pain and sorrow like never before is about to take place. See, I believe Revelation chapter 12, it marks the midway point. Of the tribulation time period. The first three and a half years we know to be pretty much peace and prosperity. But after that the Antichrist um, is is indwelled by Satan himself. He becomes Satan incarnate in the flesh. And all hell breaks loose on the earth. You hear me? And so there is a woe coming. There's persecution coming. And like Dr. Jeremiah said, it's an aggravated assault. In, in verse number 12, it says, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and are saved, for the devil has come down unto you having great wrath. He's aggravated. Why? Because he's been kicked out of heaven. He's been kicked out of heaven. Now he's upon the earth. Listen to Dr. Jeremiah. He says he is like a caged lion who has been taken from his uh, regular roaming ground and closed in for good. <laughs> I think that's pretty good stuff right there. That's exactly what he's like. Now God has set the parameters as far as he can go. And he don't like it. And he comes down in aggravation with all his wrath and fury. And torments the peoples of the earth. Not only though is it that. But the Bible also says he knows his time is short. In the last part of that verse. Now how many of you know Satan knows the Bible better than you know the Bible? Knows it better than I know the Bible. He knows what the Bible says. He knows what's coming. See, sometimes we, we we seem to forget that Satan is a created being. He is not equals with God. All the power he has is allowed by God. If you believe it, say amen. All the authority he has, God gives it to it. We've saw that as we've studied through this book. Now and in the future. So even though you may look in the world today and it looks like Satan's winning, he's not. It's all according to plan. Keep trusting. Keep having faith. The God that Brother Scotty just sang about before service starts, the star-breathing God, the uh, planet-breathing God. (laughs) Folks, he's in control of all this. You can trust him and you should trust him. But Satan knows he only has a short time. He only has now three and a half years of freedom before he has a thousand years where he's chained up. So he's going to do all he can do. It's also not only an aggravated assault, but an anti-Semitic assault. Look at verse number 13. I like how he puts this. He says, and when the dragon saw that he was cast under the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Now again, who's the woman? Israel. It's the Jewish nation. And the Bible says, she brought forth the man-child. Who's the man-child? Well, that's Jesus. See, You see, Satan hates the Jewish nation. Satan hates the nation of Israel simply because that's where the Redeemer came from. That's who the Savior came from. Now, how do you know, because of our Savior, because of the Lord Jesus, we no longer have to fear death. Hebrews 2.15 says that those who have placed their faith in Christ, those who have trusted in the blood of the Lamb, no longer have to fear death. Praise God, that's me. If I don't have to fear death, why do I have to fear the enemy? He can do nothing to me. All He can do to me is what God allows Him to do. Are you hearing me? Now, we can't get too deep into this, but I do want to say it. We may talk about it later. Do you know everything that happens in your life, everything, comes across the desk of your heavenly Father before it comes to you? If we believe God is sovereign, that He is omnipresent, omniscient, and omnipotent, if we believe God is in complete control and has all power knowing all things and is everywhere at all times then we must believe everything that happens to us comes across his desk before it comes to my life now let me give you some good news the bible says in romans 8:28 that he works all things together For the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. That means even the things we perceive to be bad things, God is working on our behalf for our good to fulfill his purpose. You say, well, how does he do that? Because he's big. I mean, he's really big. And the truth, he's not just doing that for me. He's doing that for you and for every other believer. Wow amazing. That's a rabbit trail. I don't think it's bad to chase a rabbit if you catch it. Do you think we caught it? All right, let's go on. It's not only, it's an anti-Semitic assault because he hates the Jewish people. Now, how many of you know, listen folks, the Jewish nation has been hated throughout the history of the world. Do you remember me talking to you a few weeks ago about the Spanish Inquisition where the King of Spain killed over 50,000 Jewish people because um, they wouldn't convert to Catholicism? That happened hundreds of years ago. One of the more recent what happened in the 1940s with Adolf Hitler. You remember during uh, World War II, during the Holocaust, over 13 million Jews died in unspeakable ways. A lot of them dying in gas chambers. Their children being taken by Nazi doctors and used as guinea pigs with medical experiments. Think about that. How cruel and how much would you have to hate a group of people to do that to them? To load them up in cattle cars on a train, unload them at a concentration camp, tear away crying babies from mamas and daddies, Take the mamas and daddies to the gas chambers and have them gassed and killed. And take their children and use them for medical, as guinea pigs in medical experiments, until they're no good and then kill them. How much you got to hate those folks? How evil do you have to be to do that? Even more recently than that, we have nations all over this world that are controlled by Islam who have vowed if they have the opportunity and ability, they will wipe Israel off the face of the map. Are you hearing me? Let me say something to you. All of that, all of that is demonic in nature. Satan is behind all of it. So I'm trying to tell you, Islam is demonic in nature. Now a lot of people ain't going to like that. I might not be politically correct, but it's the truth. They hate the Jewish people. They pretty much hate everybody that ain't them. But they certainly hate the Jewish nation. So this is not a new thing. But during this last time, it's going to be his last chance to do all he can do. So he will try his best to exterminate every Jew upon the face of the planet. During those last three and a half years. It'll be an aggressive assault. Look at verse 15. And the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman. Now who's the woman? Israel. Who's the serpent? That's Satan. What's it talking about when it says the flood? Does that actually mean a literal flood? Now a lot of people think it is. That during the uh, great tribulation, those last three and a half years, that there's going to be a great flood in the nation of Israel. I don't think that's what it I think this is symbolic of the aggressiveness that Satan is going to come at the nation of Israel with. It'll be like a flood. It'll be more than they can handle. You remember what happened in uh, Houston a few weeks ago? It was more than that city could take. It came all at once. What happened in Florida, what's recently happened in Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands and uh, Dominica and all those islands in the Caribbean, it was like a flood. They couldn't handle it. And I think that's what it speaks of here. The, the uh, aggressiveness of Satan against the nation of Israel will be, will be more than they can take at that time. It's also done out of anger. Look at verse 17. And the dragon was wroth. He was angry with the woman and went to make war not only with the woman or the nation of Israel but with the remnant. Now we said the remnant are the 144,000 Jews that we know are going to be saved during the time of tribulation. Those 144,000 Apostle Pauls that's going to go all over the world preaching the gospel. And Satan is going to be so angry toward them because they're preaching of Jesus. He'll do everything he can in his wrath to kill as many as he can. And he will kill many. Look what the Bible says. Which keep the commandment of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. But now let me say this. We have saw the praise in heaven. We saw the persecution on earth. But we also need to see the protection that God provides for his people. He protects his people. Look look with me in um down at verse sixteen. Let's start with verse fourteen. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle, that she might fly into the wilderness into her place where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time. That means three and a half years or that last three and a half years of that great tribulation from the face of of the serpent, and so I don't know how all of this is going to work. I can't explain that, but somehow through the providence of God, God is going to protect the Jewish nation in those last three and a half years. But then it says something else, and I like this. I saw this this week, and I'm just going to give you my opinion. If you don't agree with it, that's fine. But look what it says in verse 16: "And the earth helped the woman." And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood with the dragon that had cast out of his mouth. And look at verse 15. Not only does the earth help the woman, but verse 15 says, And the serpent was cast uh, out of, of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away um, by the flood. I'm trying to find. Look with me. Verse 14, and to the woman were given two wings, listen to this, of a great eagle. And I've thought about that this week. What is the great eagle? And I don't know this to be true. I don't have really anything else to go on but just besides what I'm thinking. But the symbol of the United States of America, we know to be the eagle. Could it be that during the great tribulation? Somehow, some way, the United States uses their military in some form to rescue some of the nation of Israel from Jerusalem when the Antichrist comes against them. I don't know. That's just food for thought. You can believe that or you don't have to believe it. But that does make some sense to me. Especially seeing how right now we have such good relationships with them. And I believe we're on the threshold of the coming of Christ, the rapture of the church. And I believe we are very close to the time of tribulation. So, I do want you to know tonight, though, listen to me. If you've trusted in Christ, if you've been born again, Before the Antichrist ever comes on the scene in that last three and a half years we're going to be with Jesus. And that's good news. If you know Him. If not, that's a pretty good incentive to trust Him now. Today's the day. Next week we're going to look at the man of sin, the son of perdition, the beast The Antichrist. The Bible gives him many names. And we'll look at that next time we come together in Revelation 13. Anybody got anything else, comments or questions?